Hello, and welcome to the Vorthos Cast. I'd like to thank all our Patreons who support the show. If you enjoy our program and would like to support us, you can visit patreon.com slash thevorthoscast and donate and help contribute to the most awesome Vorthos podcast in the whole wide multiverse. I'm Jay Anelli, and wait, that's not right. I'm Andrew Weissel. Jay <laughs> is not going to be here this week. He is stuck in a hurricane. If y'all didn't know, there's a hurricane currently smashing its way into the east coast of the United States. Jay does a whole lot of emergency response because he's a good person and generally responsible. So he is really, really, really busy and is not going to be able to join us. He's okay. Don't worry about his safety, but he, he has a lot of work to do that is way more important than Magic the Gathering. I'm Brian Dodds, and I'm wondering where my modern playable elves are. I'm Ashley Barrow, and I am very excited about Vraska's pet bug. Yeah, they said it was a baby crawl at the PAX West panel, and that's just really cute because the crawl grow up to be really terrifying, but their babies are adorable. It's amazing. And if you didn't notice that his face is the Golgari face. Did not even notice that. Yeah, it's really cool. But mostly it's very cute. We got some good, cute art for the set, finally. So let's talk about that, because there wasn't really a whole lot of general news this week. But boy, howdy, we are in the middle of Guilds of Ravnica previews, and it is exciting. I love Ravnica. There's so many cool things happening. We're getting, finally, some insight into what Ravnica looks like for this set. And I think instead of really delving into that, because that's something we're going to talk about in future episodes as we kind of learn a little bit more as the cards come out and prepare for the story to start. So let's just talk about preview cards, because they are exciting. And I'm going to start with what right now is my favorite, favorite art from this set. And I know we just talked about how cute things are, but holy crap. Is Dream Eater creepy as hell? It's a nightmare sphinx. Art by Darken. And it's like prowling down from above. And it's backlit. But then its head is all dark. And it's got these glowing eyes. And its head is just this big mass of... It almost looks like tendrils. But it's a, just like a dirty, mousy sphinx mane. It's so good. I just love horror so much. I miss Innistrad. And this is just exactly my aesthetic. Yeah, Doom Whisperer takes a creepy card for me. It's just all the extra arms hanging down off of him. Looks really, really strange. Yeah, that was almost a throwback to some of the Emrakul stuff we saw last time we were on Innistrad. And that's also a nightmare demon. So I don't know what the Demura are up to, but they got some creepy friends. Yeah. And I'm loving it. Now, I know you said that this card isn't cute. But I think it's still kind of cute. Oh, I'd pet the hell out of it. <laughs> Don't get me wrong about that, but, like, I know a lot of people wouldn't, and I respect that, but, like, I'm gonna pet my creepy friends. It's happening. Our next card is Guild Summit, which is one of the story spotlights. And this shows Esperia, who is the current guild master of the Azorius Senate, in the actual Senate building, talking to representatives of all the guilds. And the flavor text says, In a climate of suspicion, Esperia gathered the guilds to propose a radical idea. 
cooperation. It's crazy. Which, A, is really funny, because LOL guilds cooperating, that doesn't happen ever. That hasn't happened since they signed the guild pact 10,000 years ago. But also, this is a great story beat, because we know, like, there's this huge imminent threat to Ravnica, and people are starting to freak out. The whole theme of this set is the guilds are starting to freak out because something is happening, and they don't quite know what, and nobody trusts each other. And Asperia is coming in as the voice of reason and saying, Chill, everybody. We got this. Let's all hold hands. Nobody go off alone. Stay together. We'll figure it out. And what happens to her in response? She gets turned into stone. Because Assassin's Trophy is ridiculous. Yes. We'll let all the other Mel podcasts talk about Assassin's Trophy and how it's going to be a multi-format all-star. Like, the card is absurd. But more importantly, it's also a story spotlight, and it shows Isperia petrified. The flavor text says... A power vacuum for the Azorius, a keepsake for Vraska. We know Vraska's still functioning under Bolus's plot. Jace has erased her memories of him, so she thinks that everything is kind of fine. So Vraska's rising to power, just as Bolus had planned. And this is our first major character death. I don't know if we've mentioned it on the podcast about how we think maybe Niv-Mizzet might be biting the bullet and maybe he has this cloning plan to get him out of it. But expect things to be shaken up. If we want a real villain story in the third set with real stakes, characters are going to die. And Isperia is a big one. That's a whole guildmaster. And we know from Mark Rosewater's article this week that five of the guilds are siding with Bolas and the five that do are going to have Planeswalker guildmasters. And if Isperia is dead already, it looks like the Azorius are going to side with Bolas. And I don't know who is going to lead them, but the Wizards of the Coast Facebook put up a bunch of guild fan kit stuff so that you have a bunch of art and banners to use on social media. And one of the things they did upload was an image from the next set, Ravnica Allegiance, that looks an awful lot like an Azorius building, and there are Thopters flying around. So is it Dovin? Oh no. Getting a good deal from Bolas after fleeing from the corrupt consulate? Is maybe Tezzeret just doing this weird I'm gonna take over thing like he did on Kaladesh? I don't know. Maybe it's a new planeswalker. Maybe Geometry Wizard from the cover is another Bolas pawn who builds Thopters. We don't know. That's a clue that we're not gonna get answered for three months, which is gonna drive me crazy. Might get answered in some roundabout fashion when we start reading the Ravnica stories, so never know, but that's definitely interesting. It looks like deposing the guild leaders is becoming a theme here. How many have we had deposed recently? We had Feather first, which we will talk about in a minute. Niv-Mizzet, although he has not been deposed, he has ceded his running of the guild to Ralzeric. Isperia's dead. Who else? And we have Raska taken over from Jarad. Thank you. With Ral, that leads us into our next card, Command the Storm, which is just a splashable piece of limited removal, but it's got Ral shooting lightning bolts and this awesome flavor text. In the wake of Niv-Mizzet's disappearance, Ral found himself leading the guild. He had dreamed of this day, 
but couldn't help feeling like a pawn in someone else's game. So we know Izzet is one of the guilds that comes to Bolas' side. And this has me question when Ral becomes a Bolas pawn, if he's conscious of it. Because we had one little detail at the end of Hour of Devastation that Bola sends Tezzeret to go fetch Ral to find how his project's going. And we don't quite know when that fits into the timeline with regards to Guilds of Ravnica. So is this card before Bolas recruits Ral? Is it while he's recruiting Ral? Does he recruit Ral first and then Ral eventually discovers how into this evil plot he has fallen? We don't know. And there's a lot of curiosity and a lot of mistrust, which, again, goes back to the theme of this set where everything is changing and it's very uncomfortable and unsettling and there's a lot of mystery and intrigue. And I like that a lot. It's a good tone. Again, it was described as film noir world, and it really feels like that to me so far. Mm-hmm. But on a happier note, we have the cutest card in this set. It's not going to be beaten. I am confident that there's not going to be a cuter card. Affectionate Indric. So the Indric are these giant mammals. They're kind of giraffe-like. They're based on actual prehistoric mammals that were basically giant rhinos. No horns, but they were related to rhinos. So think, like, thickly built, leathery skin. Really tall. The biggest of them were the biggest mammals ever to walk on land. But Indrix are all over Ravnica, usually as beasts of burden. This one fights a creature when it enters the battlefield, if you want. If you have a dog of medium or large size, you know exactly what happens when they want pets. Because they will jump on you. Their wagon tails will hit you in the face. They'll put their face like right up to yours and just like exhale dog breath right up your nose. It can be very intrusive and very damaging. That kind of painful affection, that's this card. Except it's this gigantic mammal smashing its face into this poor hapless human who's getting knocked over. But there's also these cats that are rubbing up against his legs. It's the cutest thing. And it's so wholesome. And I love it. He's not just getting knocked over. He's getting knocked over the side. You see the flavor text says that the problem is not the Indrix enthusiasm. It's Ravnica's lack of guardrails. Yeah, because he looks like he's pretty high up there. What a fatal push indeed. The next card, just a quick mention, is a card called Erratic Cyclops. The flavor text says, it's a quote from Marie, the Izzet Chamberlain. She appeared in a couple stories here and there. And it's a quote from her that says, The League accepts no responsibility for former members and the damage they may cause. Which is a subtle hint because this art shows a creature that we've seen in a previous Ravnica block. It is the exact same creature from Nivik Cyclops from Dragon's Maze. So this card just hints that a Nivik Cyclops got like supercharged and is now gone rogue. And the Izzet don't think that's their problem. I just love when art riffs on older cards like that. So our next card is Sky Knight Legionnaire. This card is like Death and Taxes. When it comes to Ravnica, it's going to be there. And the art is sweet. The aerial view that it gives you, it just flying over Ravnica is really nice. And it gives you a really good perspective of the view of the city from the air. And it's... It's really cool that whenever you go to Ravnica, you can expect to see the Legionnaires 
assuming the Boros don't get demolished in this coming war between the guilds. Yeah, it's, I think, the only card other than the Shocklands that have appeared in all three Ravnica blocks now. And yeah, that art really is neat. We've seen a lot of skyline shots of Ravnica, but nothing this far out. Like, this is a really wide aerial landscape shot from above Ravnica, which you get in movies when they do helicopter shots over Manhattan, but we've never really seen on a magic card before. And that's something that's really cinematic. I talked about last week with some of the film noir references, and I want to quickly talk about another card that does that notion rain. This is the Matrix one that has the Demir agent standing on top of a roof with all the little thought strands surrounding them that looks like the code from the Matrix, which sort of, but this is another noir reference because of noir's themes. It often has scenes shot in rain and at night and in darkness. And while this isn't at night, this is a day shot, but it's still kind of a gloomy gray autumn shot. And it's really cool how this just ambient thoughts are just raining around to imitate that rain texture and that rain feeling and that rain mood and tie into a really cool card name because it just calls it out, Notion Rain. That's what it is. These are just thoughts raining down around the Demer agent spying on stuff. And that just pulls into the cinematic nature of the visuals of a lot of these cards and pulling directly from a specific visual style in cinema, which is film noir, on a card game that's fantasy with dragons. The genre blends for this are so cool, and it's resulting in really neat compositions, really neat colors, really neat shapes, really neat lighting. I'm just loving so much of what the Demir are doing this set. Now let's talk about some legends, like March of the Multitudes, which isn't even a creature card, but it has, so far, the best Easter egg, because if you look almost dead center in between the legs of the soldiers in the art, can see everyone's favorite little homunculus Fibblethip poking out totally lost. Again. The artist is Zach Stella and he mentioned on Twitter that Fibblethip was in the art brief so this is something that came directly from creative. They said, hey, Zach, you need to paint Fibblethip in this because we're doing Fibblethip references because it's Ravnica. And that's just so awesome and I'm so glad that he's back and I really hope he gets a card sometime in the next couple sets maybe this set i don't know i love the art on this because you see all the celestia conclave like the army that they have just like it's crazy with the centaurs and you got the wolf riders and then you got all the other people back there it's just some beautiful art yeah zach also mentioned that there's three elementals in the background and the center one is a direct reference to the elemental token from grove of the guardian yeah. which is a land in return to ravnica so again, neat art reference, but it also does a great job of showing the diversity of the Selesnia. Actual legendary things that are happening. So we have Izoni, Thousand-Eyed. She is a Devkaran elf. They are the group of elves, if you remember from our pre-mending Ravnica history episode, that Gerard and Savra belonged to. They believed in the supremacy of their faction in the Golgari, 
they're the ones who overthrew the Sisters of Stone Death and reanimated Svogthir and took over the guild. They're also the ones that Vraska is fighting against to take over the guild and reinstate the rights of people like the Crawl. So she is the opposing force to Vraska within the guild. I was going to say that I really like the designs for Golgari for this set. I'm really into the aesthetic, and I, w I really wasn't, for Return to Ravnica, into the aesthetic. I love her face paint. Reminds me of the skull face that can be found on my favorite kind of spider, the Golden Silk Orb Weaver. I'm always looking out for bug patterns because I like bugs, so I really like it when bugs end up in character designs like that. That's something we saw recently on Aminatu also. She has a forehead pattern with the Death Head's Moth skull, which is also the kinds of moths that are in her art. So I love when magic art pulls from the real world, and I also love bugs, so it's great to see bug stuff happen. The next card is Niv-Mizzet Perrin, because he is the Perrin, and it's awesome to see that reference, because... Even though he's at rare and Ral is acting leader of the guild, it's Niv's guild. And we don't know what he's off doing, but he looks pretty happy about whatever experiment he's got going on. His naming convention makes me wonder if the other guild masters are going to be like named Perrin, or if it's just going to be the ones that are original Perrins. We'll get Rakdos next set, so we'll see what happens. Clearly Niv-Mizzet is going to be important in this story, because Ral is important in this story, and Niv-Mizzet's mysterious project is important to the story. It's one of the story spotlight cards. So I don't know what he's up to, and I'm interested to find out, because it's gonna matter. Because also, people love Niv-Mizzet, and if you're going to write magic story on Ravnica, use the characters that people love. He's also really powerful. The card is ridiculous. It's so good. It's hard to cast, with three blue and three red. But a 5-5 flyer that can't be countered, and then he has the original Niv-Mizzet ability of whenever you draw a card, he deals one damage to any target. So he once again combos with Curiosity, for people who want to do stupid degenerate combos in Commander. But then he has a variation on the card draw ability, where uh, whenever a player casts an instant or sorcery spell, you draw a card. So he actually works with the Is It Guild mechanics this time in a spells deck. So this feels like it's really aimed at Brawl and Commander, which is great. Like I said, people love Niv-Mizzet. People want to play with Niv-Mizzet cards. So I like that they really pushed this even at Rare to be an exciting and powerful build-around card. Because while that's more mouse stuff, it's nice when R&D recognizes the things that Vorthoses gravitate towards. Characters especially, people like Niv-Mizzet, so we're going to make his card awesome and make people want to play him. And that's always nice to see. Next is Aurelia, Exemplar of Justice. Which doesn't sound like her. She was the war leader last time, and she took over the guild and cast Feather out and was really brutal and mean. And now she's maybe not? It's very confusing, and there's a lot of disruption in Ravnica and a lot of change. It's not confusing in that I think this is a bad thing, it's just that we don't know why there's this change yet. So that's, again, a bit of intrigue to find out what is happening. For having deposed one of the fandom's favorite characters, 
She's got a bad reputation, so she's got a lot to redeem. You know what people do love, though? Chris Ron paintings of angels. Because he keeps getting them. And he keeps painting awesome angels. And she has also been promoted to real armor. No more boob armor, which has always been an iconic thing for the Boros angels. Now she has real armor, yay! And there was much rejoicing. And our last legend that we have revealed so far is Lazav Multifarious. The shape-shifting leader of the Demir is back. He only costs two mana, so if you like Commander and Brawl, cheap legends are always great. But what I love about his art is that he is surrounded by statues, mostly of heads, which I assume are things he can transform into, because that's what he does. And all the way to the left is a statue of Niv-Mizzet's head. We have this mysterious project where it looks like he might be cloning himself, but then we also have Lazav, the most sinister shapeshifter who we know is going to be kind of a good guy, who might be turning into Niv-Mizzet? I don't know if this is like a hint that we should really pay attention to or not. The thought that there could just be like three Niv-Mizzets and nobody knows who the real one is is really funny to me. <laughs> like Legend of Zelda, when you fight Pose, there's often a Poe encounter where the Poe will break up into a bunch of different copies of itself and spin around you and you have to attack the real one. And this feels like it might be building to something like that, which I think is really funny and really clever. And again, just going back to the film noir themes, you don't know who to trust. You don't know who's lying. Mission Impossible has played around with the face maker stuff and deception and all kinds of spy movie crap. Like, it's almost like we're building on themes of a third conspiracy set. People loved Fiora and the flavor that happened in the two conspiracy sets so far, with, like, just people backstabbing each other and lying and, like, street fights and Grenzo setting stuff on fire. But we're getting so much of that political distrust and manipulation and i don't know how many times i'm gonna say this episode i think it's really cool and really sweet and i'm really excited when conspiracy came out i remember thinking man i wish this was on ravnica paliano is also a city and has a lot of similar feel to ravnica i think here's something else is lazav gonna be jealous when he finds out that vreska has a better head collection she has heads set into her throne also, which is creepy. Do you think that is uh, in any way related, that he has his statues and she's she's got hers? There's just, like, so many connections. I'm like, that's not the real one, is it? I'm, I hope that's a statue. I mean, because now knowing that we're on a world where you can be petrified. Like, I want to know if Faraska has the ability to undo her stone gaze, I guess, because, like, once her memory is restored, She's going to have any regret about, like, turning Asperia into a stone. Especially if Asperia's the one trying to espouse peace between the guilds. She comes out of her mind wipe and just like, oh crap, that was a completely awful thing that I did. Should I go back and undo it? Or can she even undo it? What kind of morality questions is she going to have once she gets her memories back? It's great. Drama is fantastic, people. And there have been so many great setups for this block. I guess it's not really a block. These sets... I'm just excited for them to pay off. Also, we have Vraska's card, so I guess this is a good segue to talk about that. Vraska, Golgari Queen. Yes, Queen. She's sitting on a throne. She's ruling the Golgari. 
Her ultimate turns all your creatures into deadly assassins that kill people with one poke. And we got her masterpiece art also. She's the eighth masterpiece in that Guilds of Ravnica Mythic Edition collection. And holy crap, she is just on top of a roof in the daylight in a big fungal ball gown holding the thaumatic compass. On all her regal glory, she is no longer Vraska the Unseen. She is Queen of the Golgari, finally. She's Vraska the Seen. Yeah, pretty much. She's just like flaunting it. She's got it. I mean, you better see her. She's up on the roof. The art is so good. Magic art in general is just so good, people. And I love that you the buildings in the background, um, you know you're on Ravnica when there's all the three green roofs. Um, yeah. That are very iconic. Like, oh yeah, well, you know where we are. There's green roofs. We're on Ravnica. And this is like her home where we'll talk about later, but like she was nearly beaten to death by the cops. And like now she gets to rule a whole guild. I'm so happy for her, even though there's a lot of treachery to get there along the way. Like we don't get to see a lot of magic characters get what they want often. And I don't know how long this will last, but for now, Vraska is exactly where she wants to be which is very black-green of her. She has taken a very dirty road to get there, but she has found her place in the world and made that place for herself at the same time. And it is funny that it would be Vraska who would achieve her goal. You know, it's funny that you mentioned it's dramatic that she killed Isperia. Well, this is what she's been saying she's gonna do for years. We didn't think she'd actually do it. Yeah. Well, here she is. She actually, she actually did what she said she was gonna do, but for her. Yeah, and she gets to appear on a bunch of art. So split cards are back. I don't remember if we talked about them last week. But the cycle at rare is the interesting one because all the guilds are split into kind of two factions, two opposing forces. And the rare split cards each feature the legends that belong to each faction. Find and Finality is the Golgari one, and Find features Izoni and Finality features Vraska. Which I only just noticed. Expansion and Explosion is the Izzet one and features Niv-Mizzet and Ralzarek. Niv is featured on the not-Guildmaster side. So that's gonna be important, I think, because I think he's doing stuff that the guild probably shouldn't know about. It's very mysterious. He's like a rogue agent. Response and Resurgence is the Boros one with Tajik and Aurelia. It's Tajik. Tajik. Is it? Yeah, that was from the pronunciation guide. It rhymes with magic. Well, I've always said it Tajik as well, so you're uh, we're split on this one. <sighs> Fine, Tajik. We know about all these conflicts because Guildgates are back, which we mentioned last week, but only because they were unofficially revealed in a image on the website and we didn't get a lot of detail. But they are back with two different versions. So they have a front-facing view of a guild location and then a secret backdoor entrance that signals the kind of treachery going on and the secret deals that are happening under the noses of everyone. Each guildgate has flavor text that reflects all the relationships between the legends that are leading these different factions. So for the Boros, it's Aurelia and Tajik. For the Demir, it's Lazav and this new character called Itrata, who we don't know yet. Golgari, like we said, are Vraska and Izoni. The Izzet are Ral and Niv-Mizzet. 
and the Selesnia are Tristani and Amara, which we know from the panel that Tristani is not talking to itself and is really conflicted and in turmoil, and it seems like Amara is trying to step up and bring order back to stuff. Guildgates also appear in the basic land slot, which isn't Forthos related, but it's good to know, because y'all probably going to play this set in Limited at some point. Please go to the pre-releases, they're really fun. Yeah, but I'll be doing my usual five. <laughs> pre-releases are my favorite magic event, and they're just a whole lot of fun, because they're usually loose and relaxed. Although the one I get to usually is pretty competitive, but also I'm good at sealed, so like not in a braggy way, but I've top-aided a lot in the last couple years. It's very exciting. I just love Sealed so much and playing with new cards, and it's cool. I just love pre-releases. Go play at them. Open all your guilt gates. Splash colors. It'll be fun. Go in cosplay. Yeah. Do it. So that's all the cards we're going to talk about today. And for the rest of this episode, we're going to continue our recap of the history of Ravnica. Last time we talked about... Ravnica from its ancient history through Dissension, which was the original block. That all happened before the Mending. So today we're going to pick up on all the stuff that happened after the Mending. And it starts with a period called the Interim, where the Guild Pact didn't exist. It was dissolved in the original block, and Ravnica kind of fell into chaos. And we learn a lot about this during Agents of Artifice, which on the Ravnica timeline took place between 1072 and 1075. Zao Concordant, ZC, I think Zao Concordant is what it stands for. I don't know. Dating systems are weird. And I'm really uncomfortable not being in AR. Jay knows the Ravnica timeline thing way better than I do. But the big thing that happens is that Nicobolus started an interplanar spy network called the Infinite Consortium. Tezzeret seizes control of the Ravnican cell and tries to use the network to broker power for himself. So during this time, Ravnica's kind of chaotic, and the consortium even gets talked about as almost becoming another guild. It has so much power and influence. Yeah, Mara was very scared of the of that guild when Jace mentioned to her when they were actively trying to recruit him. So the plot of Agents of Artifice doesn't affect Ravnica as a whole too much, so we're not going to delve too much into it. But the book ends with Tezzeret getting deposed and left for dead on Kamagawa, where Bolas then picks up his body and turns him into his eternal slave and servant. Jace and Liliana kind of get together and kind of break up. They separated, because basically at the ending chapters of the book, Jace figures out that Liliana has been playing both sides, basically, to try to get to give the Infinite Consortium back to Bolas to to help her get out of the deal with the demons. And so he leaves her in a place where he has all the information for the infinite consortium, but she can't give it to Bolas because he didn't give it to her. So Bolas considers their deal null and void because he didn't get what he wanted exactly. Oh, he gets it, though. He gets it. Yeah, it's not clear exactly what happens to the consortium. There's some hints that Jace kind of operates some stuff himself. Ravnica's his adopted home, so he operates out of his little sanctum as a home base. So the original Zendikar block happens, and there's some hints that the Consortium might be involved with Jace tracking down the Dragon Scroll at some point and chasing down Chandra, and that whole thing happens. It's not clear, but it, the Consortium is not 
relevant anymore, and it seems like it's pretty much dissolved and defunct. Two other important events happen during this time. As we mentioned before, Feather is run out of office as the leader of the Boros Legion, and Aurelia takes over. Aurelia is really mean and warmongery. She's awful. And Vraska's spark ignites. The Azores Senate essentially imprisoning people in prison camps and beating the hell out of them, which is not great at all. And Vraska is one of these. The Gorgons are seen as terrible killing machines by a lot of Ravnikans, so the Azores cracks down on them, beats Vraska within inches of her life, and that's when her spark ignites. So when Vraska comes back to Ravnica, she is a political revolutionary fighting for the rights of herself and her people and the disenfranchised of the Golgari. This is her whole story arc during the Ixalan block. Then we get to return to Ravnica in 10,077 ZC. And here's the problem with the original Ravnica block. The Simic all died. And you can't go back to Ravnica if you don't have all the guilds, because the mechanical structure of the block is based on the color pairs. So we gotta get new Simic from somewhere. Kudos to Creative Fruit, like the greatest save in magic history. Because the Simic Combine is back from the depths of the primordial ocean that has been paved over for millennia. Prime Speaker Zagana emerges from these giant holes called Zonots that the merfolk have opened up. And the merfolk were just kind of like chilling down there, content to be apart from the savages above. And then Zagana appears because a whole bunch of people on Ravnica were saying, hey, let's reclaim some of the natural parts of the city. And there was this whole initiative to plant trees, like gigantic trees, and these root systems started to grow down into the oceans below Ravnica. And the merfolk were like, oh, hey, they're actually doing a thing we kind of like, because the Simic Combine's original stated goal is to be stewards of Ravnica's natural places. And the merfolk were like, yeah, I think it's time to go say hi. This is a project we might want to be involved with. So they come up, they reveal that they've been talking to Demir agents this whole time, which people didn't even know that Demir existed for a while. So Secret Alliance has been functioning for literally 10,000 years, which is neat. And now they're back. And then the actual block stories told in the ebook novellas called The Secretist. The story starts with Jace and his friend Kevin researching this code that they have been finding around Ravnica. Jace discovers that the Izzet are also researching this and that Niv-Mizzet specifically is interested in what he calls the implicit maze, which is a sort of trail leading through all the different guild gates that Niv-Mizzet believes will lead to some sort of great power like a weapon. Jace realizes then that this interfering with guild business like this, since Niv-Mizzet is interested in this, is putting him and, more importantly, his friends in a lot of danger, so he decides to erase his and Kevin's memories. Just as that happens, Imara, who is his friend that we mentioned earlier, is kidnapped by some Rakdos people. So she is kidnapped by some Rakdos people, she is kidnapped by the Blood Witch Xava, and Xava leaves behind at the scene of the crime, basically her business card. 
So Jace is able to go find her and they have a little humorous showdown. So it's revealed that this implicit maze is a failsafe that Azor, who we now know as a Sphinx Planeswalker, built into the original Guild Pact should it fail. And it did. And the failsafe is essentially a self-destruct button because Azor's a jerk. And it's set up so that this thing called the Supreme Verdict will happen if the guilds can't get their crap together and form a new guild pact. So it requires the help of all ten guilds to reforge a new guild pact. Otherwise, Ravnica's going to get blown up, basically. And a lot of people are going to die, and it's going to be awful. And Azor's a jerk. So all the guilds produce a champion to run the maze. So we got that cycle of champions in Dragon's Maze, the set, which was about this event. And they all go off and run the maze, except for Melek, who gets killed because Ral wants to run the maze because he's ambitious. And then basically when they get to the end of the maze, they all start fighting. And Jace realizes that this was supposed to be something that brings them together to unite all the guilds for Ravnica. But instead, they're all trying to kill each other because they all want to rule Ravnica. He, Jason's up speaking to this being called the Bailiff, who um, basically names him the Living Guild Pact and tasks him with bringing all of Ravnica together as the Guild Pact should. We then get a sort of an epilogue where he's got his new little Guild Pact office. He has named Lavinia his, I guess, it's not really clear whether or not she's a secretary or an advisor. She's his mom. <laughs> And what's concerning about her being basically a second-in-command, is she in charge of the guild pack now? Like, has she been in charge all this time? Because she's definitely uh, affiliated, and it doesn't say whether or not she left the Azorius, but she's definitely Azorius-affiliated, so it's ironic if Chase just left her in charge, because we know where her bias is. She was doing some paperwork for him when he was off doing Gatewatch stuff, and now he's been gone for a long time, so it'll be interesting to see. And somewhere in there, Imara finds out that planeswalkers are a thing, which freaks her out and Jace erases her memory. That happens while they're uh, running the maze. Rao tells her, for no other reason other than literally to just be mean. So this story ends with Jace as the Living Guild Pact. So this magical document that governed the plane before is now embodied in Jace. And what he says is Guild Pact law, which is weird. And really bad for Jace because he's not that responsible yet. And he really is not good at trying to read people as far as what they're trying to get him to say. Because that comes up later in another story. We've had a couple short stories since Return to Ravnica Block. The big one is the Vraska fight with Jace. Where she's finally starting to come out into the open. And trying to take back her guild and get vengeance for her imprisonment and physical abuse from the Azorius. And then we get some stories with Tessa. She factored into the original block, as we mentioned before. And she is trying to wrestle power away from the Obzadot because her... Is it her grandpa, her uncle? Which one's Karlov? Yes, her uncle. She and Tajik do this investigation, and kind of manipulate Jace into saying some guild pact law things that let Tessa do some technically illegal things. Like we said, 
as long as the Guild Pact is okay with it, it's legal on Ravnica, which is a terrible system of law because Azor was a jerk. Jace is not very smart. He's not very streetwise. He's, he might be book smart. You can just say he's not very smart. Jace has met plenty of characters who are smarter than him over the years, so... He's relatively smart, but he's not the best decision maker. So Tasa and Tajik ended up getting caught by the Obsidot because the Ghost Council has a room where the Guild Pack law doesn't apply, which is super weird, and I don't know what that's about. I want to know the metaphysics on that. It's the crime room. <laughs> we don't know how the Guild Pact works when Jace is off plane. It was never addressed. It better be addressed, because these are important questions and could be a reason why Ravnica's going to hell right now. Or why Tajik is more militant, it seems. Yeah, he's very paranoid in the flavor text we've seen. And then the most recent story stuff on Ravnica has Vraska coming back. She's off with Mazarek, who is a member of the Krall, this insectoid race who lives in the Undercity. And they raise up a zombie army called the Erstwhile to try and take over the guild. And then we had Ralzarek working on Project Lightning Bug, which is a planeswalker tracking program, essentially, that Niv-Mizzet didn't know that's what it was, we don't think, but Ral recognized that it was and has tried to keep Planeswalker secret from Niv. Which is funny because he is the one who told Mara about it. Yeah, he's frenetic, as an it usually is. So Ral was kind of helpful to Jace because he's like, Hey, Jace, I saw Vraska bloop off somewhere, and we don't like her, so, like, be careful. And he's also the one who helped Jace track down Gideon at the preamble to the Battle for Zendikar story. And we've predicted in the past that Project Lightning Bug might be what Bolas is after from Ral, because that gives him a way to check out where all these planeswalkers are in the multiverse which would be useful if you want to be a Supreme Overlord. And we're just left with very confusing times. The Guild Pact has been missing. The Guilds have all these internal tensions. Nobody knows what's going on. Bolas is lurking in the background. All of a sudden, these Guild leaders are getting killed. New people are filling the void. I'm excited for this set. One thing I want to mention is that Lavinia knows about Planeswalkers and she knows about the Gatewatch. Yes. So that's an important detail that, that she does know. And, I mean, we didn't really see her reaction to that. Hopefully that doesn't become an issue. I have a feeling that the Azorius would probably be more in the know about Planeswalkers than any other guild, considering their parent was actually a Planeswalker. And he might have told his successor that what was going to happen, that he was going to leave at one point. Especially if he's responsible for Planeswalkers not being able to come back to Ravnica after the Guild Pack was influenced, he might have prepared his next in line to say, hey, I'm not coming back, so you're in charge now. It also brings up the issue that Lavinia knows that Jace is not on Ravnica, and as his second-in-command, that sort of puts a lot on her to not tell the truth about the fact that she knows not where he is, but where he isn't. And that's really interesting to me. We're going to see how she handled that. Of course, we won't get Azorius until the next set, so although she won't have a card, I'm hoping that she is involved. If she's not, it'll be really weird because she's his secretary. 
I would be very surprised if she doesn't have a card in the next set. I'm wondering what they're going to do with the split card for them, because, hey, uh, looks like their guild leader was killed. So who's going to be the guild leader for them? Is it going to be a judge? Because Augustine's dead. Well, if the guild sides with Bolas, it's going to be a planeswalker. Which could be Dovin Bon. Whatever Bolas pawn versus Lavinia, who is probably on the side of the Gatewatch here, because she knows them. All right, so that catches y'all up with the history of Ravnica up until this block. Once we know a little bit more about what's going on, we're going to summarize that before we head into the full story for this set. And that brings us to final thoughts. Brian, what is your final thought? My final thought is I'm very interested to see how the rest of these guilds fall on the sides of this conflict, because we know that the Azid are going to be on Bolas' side, we know the Golgari are going to be on, on Bolas' side, but I'm very interested to see how the rest of the guilds fall and how they participate. Are there going to be any people who are very hesitant, or are there people... I'm pretty sure that the Boros are going to take this head on. We know that the Demir seem to be influencing results of people's things just to make sure that the invaders don't have any advantages or whatever. So this whole conflict is very intriguing to me. Ashley, final thoughts. So before I wanted to go, I wanted to tell a little story about how I got into magic and why that is relevant to this. So when Return to Ravnica was coming out, I was in high school. All my friends were into magic and all I knew about it was that it was some game and that all my male friends liked it. But I wasn't super into it. So I went to the Target and I picked up the intro deck, I believe, with Lavinia. And I thought, oh my god, this cool female knight. That's lit. I like games that have powerful girls. And so then I get my packs with that. And then I opened, the next card I opened was Xava. And then the next rare I opened after that was Tessa. And I'm thinking, this game has so many awesome, powerful women. I'm going to have such a great time. So I made my little Lavinia deck and I kicked everybody's. But keep in mind, we were playing, this was definitely kitchen table magic at the time. So I kicked everyone's butts with Lavinia. And it was really cool playing this, like, powerful female knight that was just wiping the floor with everybody. And that is what got me into it. I'm excited to go back to a return to that. Especially since, like we said, we don't have any more Boros boob armor. That's a plus. So it's kind of sentimental for me to return to Ravnica. And that's really the main reason that I'm super excited for my personal reason. All right, Jay, final thoughts. As for my final thought, where, oh, where are my Simic? I mean, they're in the next set. I know that. But what I am curious about is how much we're going to see of the other five guilds in this set and in the story. I assume some of the unguild-affiliated monocolor cards are kind of have some hints. We've seen some Azorius people getting shanked by Demir assassins already, but are they going to show up in the story? Are we going to get introductions to some of those conflicts to kind of set up? It's very interesting, and I'm excited to see how that goes, because we didn't have that problem with the Secretist, because that kind of did everything all at once and was just this one self-contained story. And the way the web fiction works isn't set up like that. So I'm just excited for that to start. That starts on October 10th. Oh, it's just in time for Halloween. God, we are already halfway through September. Time goes so fast. If you also think time is just flying by, don't waste any more of it. If 
you love the Vorthos cast, support the Vorthos cast with your wallet and your human dollars. You can visit patreon.com slash the Vorthos cast, donate to keep this show running, keep the Vorthos goodness flowing into your ear holes. Join our Discord community of Vorthoses around the world. We are so hyped for Guilds of Ravnica right now. It's very exciting. Theories are flying off the walls. People's favorites are coming back. Their least favorites are coming back. Animal Crossing got announced on the Switch for next year. Woo! Like, just so much news. So much news to talk about. <laughs> Whether it's magic or just fun, awesome stuff that we all enjoy anyway. It's a nice little community. So if that's something you want to be a part of, or if you don't and just want to keep the show running and supporting us anyway, we very much appreciate everyone who donates to our Patreon. And shout out to all y'all, because if you're listening to this episode, which I hope you are, you might notice Brian's audio sounds pretty great. Another month of Patreon means another new microphone bought with your dollars. And thank you all so very, very much for helping us make this show, keeping you entertained and informed and happy, hopefully, excited, give you some laughs here and there. You gotta name your Animal Crossing town Ravnica. Yes. Name all your Animal Crossing stuff after magic stuff. Cross the streams. Thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.